Today is Wednesday, September 2nd, 2020. On this day in 1885, a mob of white nationalists slaughtered 28 Chinese miners and wounded 15 more in Rock Springs, Wyoming, all in the name of a union uprising. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today, I'm joined by our guest host, Kate Leonard. Thanks for having me, Vanessa. Hello, everyone. ParCast fans may recognize Kate from the ParCast original Daily Quote. Every day, Kate offers some of history's most inspirational quotes that will motivate, uplift, and renew your outlook on life. Kate is here to discuss some of the historical aspects of the Rock Springs Massacre, while I'll cover the narrative. I am thrilled to be here. Let's travel back to the early morning hours of September 2nd, 1885, in Sweetwater County, Wyoming. Before dawn's first light warmed the waters of Rock Springs, hundreds of Chinese miners had already trekked to the town's coal mines. For months, they'd passed posters hung by the Knights of Labor Union, warning Chinese residents to skip town or there'd be violence. Local authorities ignored the threats, even as unfounded conspiracies stoked the flames of racial tension further. There were allegations of Chinese workers bribing mine managers for jobs and special treatment. But the Knights of Labor had yet to make good on any significant threat of violence. Not until around 6 a.m., a group of white youths gathered outside mine number six. As Chinese workers exited the shafts, the youths reportedly started pelting the miners with stones. Whether it was meant to or not, the deliberate act of aggression instigated a brawl. The Chinese miners had endured enough torment. As stones rained down, they rushed towards the youths ready for a fight. White miners joined the attack against their Chinese co-workers. Fists cracked against flesh. Numbers grew on both sides. Eventually, a foreman arrived to break up the violence, but not before a white miner grabbed his pickaxe. With one heaving swing, the man delivered a fatal blow through the skull of one of the Chinese miners. His blood seeped into the soil. The crowd disbanded. The murder didn't put an end to the mob, but their work in the mines certainly ended for the day. They marched into town, adrenaline racing through their veins. Three men were sent ahead to warn the Chinese residents of Rock Spring. They had one hour to leave town, or else. A mob of at least 100 white men, most of them miners and railroad workers, grabbed guns, hatchets, knives, and clubs. They met in the streets and saloons where they were joined by an equal number of unemployed citizens. All were white. Most were immigrants themselves. By the time they gathered on the railroad tracks near mine number six, women and children had joined their ranks. The mob split up and surrounded the section of Rock Springs where Chinese residents lived. They cordoned off key points to prevent any Chinese citizens from escaping. 
Some sources even claim that this happened 30 minutes before their stated hour-long grace period ended. Most of the Chinese residents had no clue anything was happening. Word never reached them. Outside of mine number three, one particular squadron of the white nationalists opened fire. Allegedly, the first man hit and killed by the gunfire was named Lor Soon Kit. Even after his death, most Chinese residents didn't flee, not until the violence escalated further. The mob broke into homes, looted and rampaged. They dragged the Chinese onto the streets and shot many where they stood. White women blocked the plank bridge in town and fired bullets at anyone trying to escape. A number of Chinese residents ran directly at the mob in a desperate attempt to escape the barbarity, but none made it far. The mob pillaged and looted. Before the day's end, they set every home in Rock Springs Chinatown ablaze. The flames drove some men who'd been hiding onto the streets where they were cut down. Others burned alive, trapped inside. A few that managed to escape into the Wyoming wilderness would later die from hunger and thirst, only a couple of miles away from the freshwater stream that ran through town, the aptly named Bitter Creek. Coming up, a federal army arrives in Rock Springs. Hi, listeners. Here's a series I think you're really going to like. We all know that medical professionals are trained to give exceptional care. But what about those who use their skills not to heal, but hurt? In the new ParCast series, Medical Murders, you'll discover a disturbing diagnosis that not every doctor wants to extend your life. Every Wednesday, Medical Murders introduces you to the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead used their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Join host Alastair Murden as he examines the formative years and motives of history's most infamous killers. Dissecting their medical backgrounds with expert analysis and professional insight provided by practicing MD, Dr. David Kipper. You'll investigate a wide range of heinous healthcare workers, like the general practitioner believed to be the most prolific serial killer in modern history, or the dentist who led a double life as a hitman, or even the doctor and gang member who mixed deadly potions for unhappy housewives to use on their husbands. When it comes to these true crime stories, the only thing the doctor ordered is murder. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. On September 2nd, 1885, a mob of white nationalists attacked the Chinese neighborhood in Rock Springs, Wyoming, killing many of its residents. My guest host, Kate Leonard, is going to take over from here to discuss the context surrounding the event. Thanks, Vanessa. In the later half of the century, Chinese citizens flooded the United States. Most were men looking for work in the wake of the Industrial Revolution. Many called themselves sojourners, not immigrants, as a reminder that they had no intention of taking root in American soil. Once they lined their pockets, they planned to return to their country 
to once again rest their heads in China, not a Chinatown. The land of opportunity with its sprawling plains and imposing mountains felt threatening, and rightfully so. The Rock Spring Massacre was far from the first acts of terror perpetrated against immigrant Chinese populations in the United States. In 1870, white workers in San Francisco took to the streets to protest the recent influx of Chinese workers threatening them with violence. A year later, at least 17 Chinese immigrants were murdered in Los Angeles at the hands of a white mob. There were a number of factors that led to the Rock Springs Massacre. But first and foremost, there was an undeniable racial bias. We don't have time in this episode to properly unpack the complex cultural, historical, and societal factors that fostered such a venomous landscape. But it's important to note that the vast majority of the white men and women who spilled Chinese blood on September 2, 1885, were immigrants themselves. They were Irish, English, Welsh, and Scandinavian, most not even naturalized citizens. They'd all come to America looking for the same opportunities. Racism was the gasoline, but the match was the state of the coal mining industry at the time. It was incredibly volatile. The Wyoming mines were owned by the Union Coal Railroad Company, who had a near monopoly in the region. They controlled employment and wages. So by extension, they controlled which workers could feed their families and which couldn't. In the 1870s, the Knights of Labor Coal Mining Union formed as a way to protest the meager pay and pitiful working conditions in the mines. They were the latest in a long line of similar unions, but none had accomplished much of anything. From their perspective, Chinese workers stood in the way of progress. When unions went on strike, Union Pacific had a plethora of laborers at their disposal because Chinese miners filled the vacuum left by protesters. Contrary to rumors, Chinese miners never bribed pit bosses to get hired, and they never received special treatment. The Union Pacific did pay Chinese workers a different wage than white miners, but they paid them less. The Chinese accepted the jobs because, relative to their home country, the pay was high. Chinese miners didn't have much skin in the labor union game. As we mentioned, the sojourners didn't anticipate staying in America long. But even if the Chinese miners wanted to aid coal mining unions, they couldn't. The Knights of Labor banned them from joining their ranks, which circles back to prevailing racism. In other words, whether they worked or went on strike, Chinese laborers couldn't win. What resulted was an all-too-common outcome. Infighting among the lower class resulted in bloodshed, while the men on top profited. Union Pacific Railroad created an environment where toxicity prevailed. They allowed chaos to reign. They saw the warning signs and did nothing, not until the violence affected their bottom line. The Rock Springs Massacre caused nearly $140,000 in public damages. Terrified of another uprising reaching their family's doorsteps, Governor of Wyoming Francis Warren, Union Pacific Railroad, and other local leaders called upon the federal government for military aid. 
For 13 years after the massacre, federal troops occupied Rock Springs, Wyoming. Authorities arrested 16 white miners in connection to the slaughter. All were released on bail. Not a single one ever received a sentence. The result of the judicial decision read, quote, We have diligently inquired into the occurrence at Rock Springs. No one has been able to testify to a single criminal act committed by any known white person that day. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thanks again, Kate, for joining me today. Thanks for having me. You can find my podcast, Daily Quote, on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Connor Sampson, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Killer nurses, deranged doctors, mad scientists. Don't forget to check out the new ParCast original series, Medical Murders. Every Wednesday, meet the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead use their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.